Hello and good day. This is Dr. Rob Streisfeld, Doc Rob, your concierge to better living here at CannabisRadio.com, all over the airwaves. Great to have you with us again for another episode. Cruising along, as always, uh, join the day, join the seasons, enjoying all the new information that comes out every day regarding this wonderful plant, cannabis. And, uh, you know, it's something that I have been a fan of for so many years. We have some projects of my own. As my listeners know, I am working on my own research center. I believe that research is really the foundation to how we can move this forward, uh, this whole industry forward in, in a comprehensive and intelligent manner, which is really why I'm excited for today's guest. We're going to talk a little bit about research in the cannabis uh, domain and hopefully a lot more. So it's my pleasure to introduce and welcome today our guest, uh, Dr. I'm sorry, not a doctor. I'm the doctor here. No, Doug Kopech, uh, CEO and founder of Juva, Juva Life. Doug, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Doc Rob. Really appreciate you having me on and excited to do a chat with you this morning. Yeah, I, I, I fumble by calling you a doctor, but the fact is when you have a group and you're talking research, usually you have scientists, medical experts, a whole team around you. So as being the CEO and founder, before we dive into all of that good stuff that I love to talk about, how did you get involved in the space and cannabis in general? I love getting a little background on that if possible. Yeah, you know, it's funny that you, you said doc. I, I, sometimes I, I feel... Uh, like I almost am a doctor, uh, especially when we're dealing with physicians and we're educating physicians on on product, on on just how how our systems work fundamentally with uh, the endocannabinoid system and cannabinoids in general. Uh, but to specifically get to your question about how did I get started in this industry, uh, at the end of the day, I've been around cannabis since 1996. I was one of the first 3,000 people to legally use cannabis uh, back in 19, uh, 1996 when we passed in California. So I commercially started my cannabis business foray uh, back in 2010. Uh, I commercially ran cannabis businesses in California for the last going on 13 years now. I started in 2009. First one actually launched in 2010. Um, and it's really just been a labor of love. Uh, I, it started thinking that we were going to make a lot of money selling cannabis in this, you know, gray market back in 2009 and 10 because we had a lot of knowledge in the industry and the space. And it quickly evolved into retail and retail led to, oh, we need to have cultivation that led to, oh, there's a big disparity between, you know, wanting thinking we're just going to make a lot of money. And then, wow, this is really helping a lot of people besides just me wanting to use it to, you know, smoke and sleep at night which then led to now we need to create products because we see the wellness really. So my eyes really became open around 2012 after a couple of years of working in retail and seeing that um, it wasn't just a bunch of stoners. It was a lot of people who you are moms and dads ages and grandparents and people who, who are so hard, staunch anti, but they've got to a point where nothing else worked. And we were usually their last resort. And it's really nice to see fast forward a decade that we're no longer the last resort as the Hail Mary, maybe it works. We're now looked at as some of the early onset therapeutic options or alternatives. So it's been a really nice progression to see how the industry has has evolved, which led to opening you know, the very first manufacturing permit ever issued in the state of California. And then subsequently, uh, Juva Life which I'm so excited to talk about our, our mission, which is just amazing. But yeah, that's awesome that you've been in, in the industry for so long because so many people are just jumping in at the last minute or coming in now thinking they're going to make a lot of money real quickly. I have friends as well who've been in the California, the LA market since the late 90s, 
that are healers that worked at other supplements and wellness products. And we're really looking to do good with it, not just make a quick buck. And, you know, you can sell which ones bought fancy cars and, and cashed out early. And those are still grinding, helping patients and, and looking for new ways to promote the plant. So I think that's really cool that you have that background. I have to say too often do I speak with someone, especially, you know, CEO of a company in the space that has very little understanding or experience in the plant. And it's a little bit disheartening to be honest, because there's so much, nuance in regards to you know like you said there's it's not just you know selling cannabis it's growing it uh of course now you have in california a big uprising in the regulatory environment as far as taxation and you know with that gray market whether it be black market gray market legal market which is kind of questionable in that sense still so no i think that's really important and again i mean coming from the east coaster we always knew california led the way but now we're starting to see this go national and across the board, but we still have a lot of lessons that we're learning from California. I also want to give a, you know, a little you know, tip of the hat to all the growers up in the Emerald Triangle and all the, the Northern California people who've been doing this for so many years underground when it wasn't easy. And a lot of them are getting forgotten, you know, for big business. So I always give a, you know, a tip of the hat. We wouldn't have gotten this far if those guys weren't brave enough to keep the supply chain going, even though they weren't supposed to. So, um, we have lots of stories we could talk about about the early days of, you know, kicking out the undercover police officers trying to, you know, entrap, you know, folks at the dispensaries in the early days. And it, it, yeah, it, it, you know, the, the search and seizures where they get to keep 60 percent of the assets, whether you're guilty or not. Uh, it, 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 so, uh, you know, when you say a lot of lessons, uh, unfortunately or fortunately, I hope a lot of the other states are learning from what not to do, because California has a fundamentally broken system right now but that's probably a whole nother podcast but but it's well, uh, yeah it totally is and i mean i'm a new yorker watching the new york northeast start to take footing and looking at some of the pros and cons of what that industry holds and you know that's something that even you know down in florida you know we're, we're you know the rules you know now we have uh, different compounds which is part of what we're going to talk about today in the plant you know people have been talking about thc for many 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 years as the element of cannabis that we should focus on and then of course you know a decade or so ago cbd started to really take it you know awareness most because of the hemp extract hemp derived format offered a different you know supply derivative into the marketplace um, and now we have a lot more exploding over the last couple of years and a lot of it's due again going back to the original state which is prohibition meaning if you don't let us have it ex access to it we're going to do things and loopholes and find workarounds and you know, that leads to things like Delta 8 and Delta 10 and, and so many different, you know, compounds now. Um, and, you know, again, there's over 500 in the plant naturally occurring. Uh, phytocannabinoids, terpenes, flavonoids, so many others. And I've done a lot of this. Is, I don't know, Doug, my background, but the last couple of years, I've been lecturing beyond CBD and THC. Now, I've been looking Hallelujah. at the yeah, and I've been kind of looked upon like, why are you doing this? I'm like, because it's necessary. You know, we have so many other compounds. Um, and it was interesting because we were talking this in Florida the other day. How, you know, uh, you know, in Arizona, Delta 8 is illegal. In Florida, currently, Delta 8 is legal. And so why? Why is it one state choosing a compound versus the other compound? And, you know, this is something that we're going to kind of, kind of have to keep discussing for some reason until the federal government starts to make some sort of you know firm footing and put a position in how this all works together in the plant um it, it, what's you know what's the take on those newer compounds from your perspective if you don't mind you know it, it, 
specifically just touching on the because you, you kind of hit on something I've been I've been tracking closely is you know the Delta eight versus the Delta nine and I mean at the end of the day it becomes an analog which falls under the the, the federal analog law so because T, Delta nine is illegal Delta eight therefore would become illegal under the analog law because the structures are, are closely similar uh, there are other compounds some of which we are working on that is not under the analog law um, that, that I, I, I'm not going to talk too much about right now, but I'm excited that will be more of the commercialized side um, that is not regulated currently yet. That's some other compounds that we found in the cannabis plant. Uh, but to go specific to your question about unappreciated molecules, which I think is really what, where, where you're going, is yeah. we at Juva, I took the blinders off. At the end of the day, coming from the cannabis industry, having, you know, uh, 13 years working in this industry, it was always, in my opinion, about formulation. It was cannabinoid formulation, terpene profile, uh, phytocannabinoids, um, uh, uh, flavonoids, and the combination of them, which we now call, you know, industry unofficial term, official term as, as the, the synergistic effect, as the entourage effect. Okay, well, that's when you start really looking at what is the entourage effect? Okay, so we clearly understand, I think, globally, if you eat a, a teaspoon of salt or you put a teaspoon of salt in your, you know, big batch of chili, now you're going to enhance it. I got it. That's that's the simplest version of the entourage effect. That's CBD isolate in its purest form or that's a, a full plant spectrum that you take into the body. And why does that work better as a full spectrum than an isolate? I think that's an undisputed fact that we can say this full spectrum works better. I think the real question, which we'll, we'll have a, a white paper that we'll be publishing and putting out soon, or not really a white paper, more of an op-ed, uh, which is really questioning that. Is it the actual entourage effect, the synergistic workings of these cannabinoids, terpenes that create the effect in the body, or is there some unappreciated molecule, molecule or molecules that create what we know to be called the entourage effect? I think that is the better question. And what we have done at Juva is, is I took the blinders off. I brought in, you know, Sanjeev Gangwar, who's the, uh, he's the uh, former oncology manager for Bristol Myers Squibb. He's a patent powerhouse with 45 patents in oncology and inflammation. And Guy Miller, who, who sold one of his former companies as a natural product developer uh, to uh, natural product um, drug developer to Johnson & Johnson for over a billion dollars. And they, they, they said, hey, Doug, hey, let's let's rewind what you think we're talking about, because I was looking at it from the industry. What do patients right. really need? What are we giving to patients that can actually like that can help them? And I was seeing real benefit of helping real patients with certain formulas. And they, they, they brought it back and said, hey, let's stop looking at I have rosacea or I have some pain or I have some muscle ache. And let's start looking at why do I have the pain? Let's look at the root cause. And so what we did is we distilled down every compound in the cannabis plant, all the flavonoids, all the terpenes, all the, the, the cannabinoids, the unappreciated cannabinoids, uh, the analogs of the cannabinoids and put together what I believe to be probably one of the most comprehensive databases in the world to date of these compounds and how they act and how they, or what they don't do in the body. And we have now patented two molecules, Juva 19 and Juva 41, that are unappreciated, not previously identified. They are not cannabinoids. They are not terpenes. They are not flavonoids, but they are found in the cannabis plant. And they have high mode of action, specifically 
because we've been targeted inflammation, the root cause. One of them regulates two of the primary eight cytokine pathways in the human body. The other regulates eight of the eight cytokine pathways in the human body at a precedence unseen in any natural products uh, from anything in cannabis and at a level that trumps uh, the activity of most FDA approved drugs to date. I mean, this is where, you know, for me, it's, it's really great to say it's, it's this really integrating of, of healthcare right now where you say the root cause of disease, which is a very naturopathic, which is what I am, you know, addressing of issues, meaning I don't look at symptoms, I wanna find the underlying cause. And we still wanna identify ways to treat um, scientifically. So we're not just going anecdotally to say, here's try this, try that. And so for me, I've always been a bit of a purist saying, leave the plant alone. Give it, you know, give us just a plant, leave it alone. But at the same time, the science side of my brain goes, yeah, but there's so much more we can learn. And there's applications, even though I'm a naturopath, I understand pharmaceutical applications that could better society and wellness overall. And so when you talk about inflammation, that to me is the five, you know, alarm bell going, that's the main focus that we should be looking at. And we do know, and there are some compounds that have already been identified, whether they be phytocannabinoids, whether they be flavonoids, um, that have anti-inflammatory properties. Um, but it's interesting that we can go deeper. And that's kind of what Jubilife is, looks to be doing, going a little bit deeper. Um, we're going to take a quick break because I want to keep going this conversation and uh, dive in a little deeper, as we're saying. Uh, we'll be right back. This is Doug Klopek, founder and CEO of Jubilife, and Doc Rob, your concierge of Better Living. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back on this message. The Concierge for Better Living will continue in a moment. All right. And we are back. Thank you for staying with us. It's really a good conversation because, you know, we we, we have to understand this plant in fullest. But I remember going back to, you know, basic vitamin C. Let's, you know, go in that regard. And I say this a lot because as a naturopath, and more importantly, as a dietary supplement expert, which I hate to say the word expert, but I'm going to because I've been studying this a long time, 20 years in this industry. And, you know, when I when I laugh about the phytocannabinoids, I look at them as like a, cla- a new class of vitamins or minerals. Like I look at them as a nutritional powerhouse that shouldn't be so obscure or highly overregulated or controlled. Everything has its form and function. I'm obviously anyone that has heard my show knows I'm a huge advocate for the acids, you know, the raw form, you know, phytocannabinoids are also overlooked too often for their benefits and their attributes. Um, so it's, it's always interesting to see. And I was against vitamin, you know, isolate, you know, you know, uh, CBD isolate for quite a while. Um, coming around a little bit now in specific set and settings and, you know, and for specific uses and formulation purposes. Of course, at first it was adopted as a quick, let's make some money and let's get this out and, 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 and profit off it wasn't really about the functional health benefits that was providing for most people. I will say there is always that exception of patients that said, I need boosted CBD. So the only way I can do to get that level up there is to take some additional isolate. But we're going back to vitamin C. It was like, okay, let's eat an orange. All right, now, now let's isolate the vitamin C and let's create our ascorbic acid from that compound. And then the study said, oh, well, it doesn't work as well. You're not getting any you know, benefits. So they started adding in bioflavonoids, uh, rose hips as an example and things of that nature. And they started to see it synergistically working better within the system. And so it's going to be this dance because we've seen this with Marinol and THC that sometimes these synthetic versions don't work well or they work negatively. I mean, I've seen patients get so messed up off of a Marinol versus a little bit of a gummy bear with a natural compound. So you're, 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 here's, here's the, here's the mind blower. THC does not work 
for pain. CBD does not really work for pain. Yes, people receive benefit from it, but from our studies that we can show with in vivo and in vitro assays that are moving forward in the clinical development for inflammation and pain related to inflammation, while people do see benefit, THC and CBD are compounds that the world is all focused on that the world should not necessarily be looking at according to our research. And we have now sidestepped them and are looking at exponentially more potent, more beneficial compounds in the plant that are not THC, that are not CBD. So there are two thoughts on that for me real quick. Is One is I'm a member of ICRS, International Cannabinoid Research Society. They need to change the name to just International Cannabis Research Society because cannabinoid is too limiting for what the research spectrum holds. And I've said this to them, and I hope that it continues. Unfortunately, and I, and I don't mean to knock them because I love the group, but it's like you can go to a room of 300 of these top nerdy, and I would say that with respect, PhDs and researchers, and only 15% maybe have touched the plant personally. So it becomes this kind of abstract widget that they're not really familiar with the nuance. We saw that in some of the research in regards to edibles and preparation of edibles. They were just throwing ground up flour into a Betty Crocker brownie mix and say, here, test that. And that's not how we do that industry-wise. So there's a lot of that nuance. Um, going back real quick, because this is where there's going to be a role for all these compounds. And so when you identify these, now I'm assuming that some of these unique uh, compounds are in very minute amounts in the plant. Otherwise, we would probably would have identified them, talked about them, tried to market them, you know, in the past. But so when we talk about a small amount, and this is, happens in pharmaceutical development all the time, we identify the compound. It could be everything from aspirin to Valium, you name it, came from a plant. They isolated certain compounds, and now they have a drug with it. That I understand from a pharmaceutical side, and there's going to be use to that. So I really appreciate what Juva Life is doing because there's going to be conditions and diseases that I believe those compounds will definitely benefit will help and remediate but i found it interesting just to go back to the last segment was the delta eight for example so now you have it according to say state law in florida that these compounds are naturally occurring so that they're legal but yet are they available in the quantities in these products that are now all over the marketplace from gas stations to to head shops to you know dispensaries these delta eight products and you have someone on top of the Florida cannabis authority going, how can you prove that they're not coming from the plant naturally? And I'm like, this is a real disjoint between the science and, the, and, and plants because this plant can only produce so much of these compounds. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but let's be honest when you're synthesizing that and, and, and manufacturing it in a lab for production versus it growing it through genetic manipulation, which is okay. You know, we have higher THC, higher CBD plants ratios, one-to-one hybrids, all that fun stuff. But when you go into the pharmaceutical development lab stuff, this is where I, I want people to understand that there is a separation there between synthetic or semi-synthesized compounds versus naturally occurring compounds. Okay. Not saying all synthesized or semi-synthesized are bad. Everything has its place, set, and setting. But we, th this debate that, oh, because it's found in one little minute amount, that all of a sudden it should be, it's available widespread is not necessarily the case. And I know that because of certain flavonoids I love in cannabis are not available because it's only found in small amounts and the only options are really synthesized versions. So, you know, when it comes to Juba Life and we talk about the plant, obviously you guys are pharma focused, right? Is that the basis of the process at the moment? Yeah. I don't want to say limited. We, we <laughs> when we started. So this is, exactly. this is, there's, you know, 
like everything uh, and being in this industry for so long and, and as you've been around it as well for so long is you have to be fluid like water. Uh, otherwise, you're just going to dry up as a company at the end of the yep. day. And we started off with this, you know, very robust mission of, you know, we, we have cultivation. We'll produce seven, you know, over 7,000 pounds of high grade indoor flour this year from our, from our cultivation facilities. We have delivery and distribution locations. We have manufacturing partners that we're working with. And, you know, we, this is my, my, my whole history is this. So we have a, I took over a former facility that was built on a $28 million U.S. federal grant as a $5 million class five clean room with ISO 9 and ISO 7 certified rooms inside of it this is this was built for building drugs this was this was that was what this facility was i spent four years 1.7 million dollars worth of entitlements to get it ready to start the multi-million dollars worth of construction and right. over the course of doing this path because we we had to have the lab because we were all had to be able to control the supply chain and control the ability to manipulate the plant, extract it down, use mass chromatography, use mass spectrometry, use all of the other fun tools that are available commercially to really distill the plant down, understand it, break it down, reformulate it, understand and test it. But at the end of the day, <laughs> over the last two years of research, while we've been simultaneously building these pathways, came out that for our purpose, we are specifically, we're not looking at pain. I'm not looking at cancer. I'm not looking at eczema. I'm not looking at migraines. I'm not looking at menstrual issues. I'm specifically looking at the root cause of inflammation. Not to say, now don't, I don't want people to mistake this. Inflammation is a key element in healing our body. Inflammation is needed. The overabundance of inflammation or what we've heard is the cytokine storm from COVID or the inflammation factors for your TNF alpha or your IL-6 or your IL-8 or any of these other cytokine pathways that create and regulate inflammation. When they hyperactive, that's when we start having all of these issues that then relate to the eczema and end up in cancer and end up in all of these deep rooted issues. This is, you know, almost a, a $200 billion segment of the market, which is the root of inflammation. It is truly the holy grail. There does not exist in the pharmaceutical world, a stable, small molecule that regulates inflammation. We're currently looking at protein-based things and things like Humira and all of these others that are highly toxic. You have to be steroids. Yeah. They, they are not a let me take an aspirin because I know where it came from. I know it's been tested. I know it has low toxicity. I know it is in essence, usually safe for most people. It's kind of regarded as that. And we know what we can kind of associate it to. And that doesn't exist. And so when we came out of this of, wait a minute. So when I run our compounds against THC for inflammation, or I run our compounds against CBD, I can tell you that on the TNF alpha cytokine, Juva 19 is 40 times more potent at regulating inflammation than THC. We're, we're, I think we're, we're 36 times more potent than CBD. The compounds themselves that make this plant mystery and elusive and, and illegal in most countries are compounds that we have found for our mission have zero assistance when we combined and we've combined every cannabinoid and every ratio with our compounds it down regulates our compounds so to the point of entourage if i put thc cbd and a bunch of cannabinoids into this and a bunch of terpenes and make this what we think is this best formula formula compared to our single compound in its in its stable isolate form 
it down regulates the potency and the activity on the specific inflammation pathways in the human body. So I am a firm believer in whole plant, natural compounds, things that are organic. That is how my house and my life lives that way. However, I also know that there are applications where we can take from nature, you know, we're not grinding up the, the tree bark to make aspirin anymore. Nobody's doing that. Right. <laughs> but they generally accept aspirin to be, you know, widely acceptable for many, many uses. And that's the implication that we're looking at for these is, and, and we're really taking them through their next level of development. I really appreciate that explanation because number one, I love the focus. That, that's always key for me working with a lot of different companies over the years as a consultant. Some people want to do everything and be miracle solutions for everything. And I've seen this in this, in this industry heavily. And it, usually it's come from a good place. It's just from a business standpoint, doesn't always work out well. So I really love that you have that background in the whole plant, that you come from the industry long-term, and that you currently have a focus. And this compound sounds amazing. And like I said, I'm a pure whole plant naturalist, you know, but I also understand from a medical standpoint and scientifically, the value that those compounds could offer in a, in a mainstream setting, especially in today's society with a lot of inflammation and a lot of these inflammation leading to secondary and tertiary disease states. And that's really what we want to look at is that we can get the inflammation under control at the, at the ground level. So many of these autoimmune diseases and all these other secondary issues start to go away. And I love that because that's what we really want to get to the underlying cause, not just a Band-Aid till the next issue arises. It's how do we stop this in its tracks and improve the life of that individual. So, again, thank you, Doug, for sharing that, that clarity for me on, on your efforts in regarding to the individual compounds and those isolates. That's awesome. You know, a, a very smart physician uh, who I respect immensely once told me, Doug, we don't have a health care system. We have a disease care system. We don't care to treat people's health. Otherwise, we would have been talking about things like, you know, vitamin D and sun and vitamin K and things that actually promote health. Instead, during COVID, we were giving out, you know, uh, 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 Dunkin' Donuts and, and Big Macs saying stay away and stay inside. So, I mean, we don't actually truly care about people's health. When I say we. The, 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 the bigger entity, right? they care about disease and managing people's disease because sick people create wealth for pharmaceutical industries. So I want to make with you. clear delineation that, that, that just because the products that we are creating will eventually be, become a pharmaceutical product, um, it doesn't, doesn't take back the need for people to be in control of their own health and do everything necessary to make you live a better, healthier lifestyle. And then everything else becomes additions. And I think I'm preaching to the choir here. And it would no, for, for me, for sure. I mean, I, I've said for almost 20 years, I wish sometimes I'm treated like a cow, not every big farm, you know, factory farm cow, but that grass fed organic up in Fresno, California, ranging on the, in the pasture type of cow, because the industry wants to keep that cow healthy, producing good quality milk, because that's where the profit comes in. When that cow is sick, there's no profit to be had. That's 180 degrees different than the human healthcare system. And so I always joked around, but that's awesome. Uh, we're going to take one more quick break, so don't move anywhere. Uh, this is Doc Rob. We'll come back with Doug um, Klopek with Juvel Life one more time. Don't go away. This is Doc Rob, your concierge for better living here at cannabisradio.com. The concierge for better living will continue in a moment. All right, all right, all right. We are wrapping up this show today. Enjoy this conversation with Doug Klopek, CEO and founder of Juvenile Life, talking about these unique compounds that are being under investigation research right now that have the potential of helping us as a society feel better, live better. And that's what we're here all about at Concierge for Better Living. 
hoping that we work together for a better today than yesterday and hope that tomorrow is even better than today. Doug, before we wrap up, you know, what else can people, I know it's, uh, you guys have on your background some listings as far as your company from a publicly traded aspect. So there's some things you can't say and can say, but what are something like, you know, exciting things in the near future that you see for Juba Life that, you know, we can, because we're going to have you back on and get some updates. And as these research studies continue to be produced and, and more instant, you know, information to be shared, but what's a quick kind of couple seconds of what's going on and what are the things to look for in the near future? You know, we, our platform that we developed allows us to rapidly innovate and progress molecules through what we would believe is the drug development phase. And so we are rapidly progressing a few of our molecules, 19 and 41, through that phase. Uh, we're wrapping up our in vivo assays now. Uh, we have a, 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 some contract research happening at OSU. You probably heard some of the, the, the COVID uh, implications. And assuming it goes well, then it'll move up to uh, some of the live virus uh, at one of the other sister labs. So we're very excited to see what comes from that, uh, as well as we'll have our in vivo data here in just a couple of months. So what would have taken a pharmaceutical industry three to five years and two to $600 million to get, uh, we've done it in, in, in a fraction of the time. And I'm really, really excited to, to be able to open the kimono and really show what these molecules are, how they're active. And the thing that we didn't even touch on, which we can touch on another time, we have one of the world's largest or the, the US largest uh, um, uh, IRB approved research registry. So this is for 2000 patients taking uh, for seven specific symptoms, taking products uh, that'll be validated as best in class products on a platform that that is, it's an immense robust platform. And so we'll be able to validate our products and then go back into the research registry. Uh, so there's a whole, there's a whole bunch to unpack. There's probably a whole nother store, but we got, we have a lot coming up. I love it. I love it. And again, I, I, I see the excitement, the genuine you know, excitement in your eyes. And that to me is really what I look for in my guests. And what we look for in this industry is people who know the plant, love the plant and want to do good with the plant. And it sounds like that's what Juva Life is doing right now. So again, I appreciate your time coming on, sharing a little bit of information on your company. Gives me some insight and some things to even you know think about further. I'm looking forward to getting more information as your uh, kimono opens, as you said. Uh, I use that term all the time. That's why I'm laughing. And um, <laughs> But yeah, this is great. Thanks again for sharing the information today. I know our listeners are going to pay attention to what's going on because I know everyone's got inflammatory issues going, so it can benefit so many people. And I'm sure there's even a possible pet implication down the road for that as well. So uh, all you pet lovers that I know are my audience, you know, hang in there. We, we care about that, those family members as well. So um, very cool. Thanks again for your time, Doug. We'll be in touch for sure. Have you back on. And uh, again, all my listeners, all my followers, all you people out there, thanks so much for tuning in again. Everyone at Cannabis Radio, thanks for making this show happen. You guys are awesome. And uh, again, just hang in there, stay positive, keep going, work for a better tomorrow than today. And as always, I wish everyone all the best in health and happiness. Take care.
The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.